Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elkman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. Today, our focus discussion of the week is data-driven creative. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. So thank you guys so much for joining us on our very first Group 2 podcast. And I have with me the one, the only, Molly Elkman. Yay! So excited. Podcast number one. That's right. And uh, just kind of give you guys a little bit of a lay of the land for what our podcasts are going to look like, what we're going to be covering, what you can really expect to hear um, as you join us uh, every week, week in and week out. Um, so kind of the way we're going to lay the things out is every week we'll dive in and we'll talk about what we call our top topics of the week. And that is a little bit of a tongue twister. It took me a few times to uh, practice that. You did it really well. Uh, good, good. I want to make sure I don't mess that up. Our top topics of the week. And uh, so what will happen is Molly and I, is we, we look at things from different angles and different, well, perspectives as we talk about building perspectives. Um, we consume different content, we read different things, and, and our, our focus is also on different things. So um, I'll bring in specific things for the week that I'm, that I'm consuming, things that I'm reading, things that we, I feel like will be relevant to, to you guys in our industry. And then Molly's going to do the same thing. And so we'll cover those things each and every week, and then we'll break, and then we will come back and have our top focus of the week. Um, and we'll also be bringing in some really awesome guests as we go along, people that you know and love within our industry, people that maybe you don't know that are just doing a bang up job. We're going to be bringing in people from outside of our industry as well, all to have a different look and a different perspective on what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's going to be the lay of the land. We really appreciate you guys joining us and sticking with us and really hope that we bring, we truly bring value um, to, to what you do and really appreciate your time. So let's dive in and let's dive into our actual top topics of the week, Molly. What do you have for us? So I was scrolling through Facebook this morning and I found this image that just stopped me in my tracks. And I am, of course, very intrigued by creativity and visuals. And um, this image was sand magnified. And it was literally, I've never, it's so beautiful. And we're going to have a link here to this article about it. But, you know, it really made me think about our podcast today because we're talking about building perspectives. And what we want to do is encourage everyone who's listening to really think about things from different perspectives. And um, this visual of this sand just makes you realize that, you know, we think of sand as small and insignificant, but when you hyper magnetize it from a scientific standpoint, it is so beautiful. So check that image out and check that article out. And I really want that to set the tone for this entire podcast of, you know, really looking at things differently and, and shifting how you look at it. They're not always as they may perceive. Exactly. Right. You gotta, exactly. You got to blow it up to see a little <laughs> more. And sometimes you literally then have to just blow it up. <laughs> all right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So I'm going to go on the other end of the spectrum. So I found an article the other day on um, on marketing land. And so these will we'll post the, our, the links, the things that we're talking about and referring to in the show notes. Um, but this is really interesting because it's talking about the shift in consumer expectations um, for the, what they expect and how they expect to communicate with brands, right? With our brand, with your brand. 
Um, so they, they survey monkey did a huge study um, and it talked about really right now that email and phone calls still drive the conversation, I guess, no pun intended, but they're still driving the conversation for the way that people expect to communicate with companies. But what they're finding is that things are shifting. So people are starting to, we're starting to see a rise in the expectation of online chat. Um, you're starting to hear more and more about AI chatbots. Um, but I, the key to this though, obviously there's, in my opinion, at least, there are two key things here. If you're going to use an AI chatbot, it's got to be conversational and it's got to be able to um, answer some questions and it doesn't feel like a robot's answering. Um, and also has to have the ability to kick it over to a real live human being um, if you get to a certain extent, a certain point in the conversation where maybe that the pre-programming of the bot is not going to be able to answer the questions sufficiently. Um, the other thing about chat, and this is where we have, like when we talk about like online chat uh, with, with builders, with any company is if you're going to offer like a human being live chat on the, on the web, then we really have to make sure that we're staffed for that. And because there's nothing more infuriating than when you see, hey, live chat's ready, we're here to talk. And you click and you answer and you ask a question and no one responds. Um, you know, a few months back, I went to, I was at a Marriott hotel and I went into the room. I just got checked in and I was looking frantically for the Wi-Fi password. Like we always do as soon as we get into a hotel, because God knows that, I mean, what would we do if we couldn't connect to Wi-Fi right away? Um, but I couldn't find the Wi-Fi password. So I opened my app, my Marriott app in, in the hotel, that local hotel thing popped up and there was a new chat icon. And I was like, oh, wow, well, let me press chat and let me ask them for what the Wi-Fi password was. And I typed in my question and I waited like 10 seconds and it seemed like an eternity. And I was getting frustrated, like 10 seconds have passed and the per and someone hasn't answered my question yet. So I just picked up the phone and called the front desk. And it was, it was, it would have, we could have had a really cool experience, meaning that, you know, I could have asked for the password. Somebody could have been monitoring it, got it right to me right away. Um, maybe it's my impatience. Maybe that's all of our impatience. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not the only one there, but I was really frustrated. And we went from having a, being able to have a cool experience to having a frustrating experience. So if we're going to do chat, then we just have to make sure that we have the right people and it's staffed with the right tools to make sure that we do that. So I obviously have to chime think? in. Yeah. So we, of course, have different perspectives. Um, as a business owner, for me, I have I do tend to proceed with caution when it comes to online chat because I tend to think this is going to be someone's first impression and not having control of what that first impression is can right. be very scary. So I, I think that this is such an important part of how communication and making that customer experience is evolving. But you also want to make sure that you have the right partner, you have the right um, chat in place, that you have the right people when, you know, who are representing your company because this is the first impression. So from a marketing standpoint, whoever that person is, you know, they really are teetering between sales and marketing. And it is, it's important that that transition is seamless and represents the company in every single way 
the way that leadership would want it represented. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and in the article, they've got just to kind of, uh, you'll be able to refer to it, obviously, in the show notes, the link will be there. But it's talking about um, email and phone, like I said, remain the big two customer communication channels, but like the top four or five, you know, email is still says in the past 12 months, how have you communicated with organizations? So 65% said email, 55% said telephone, 42% said website, and then 33% said online chat. I'm interested to see why those two things, website and online chat are separated. I think those go hand in hand, um, but maybe they, I would assume they're meaning like a form submission yeah. um, versus that online, that online chat and then face-to-face. -face. Now, social media is still up there. So 28% of um, how they communicated with the organization was with social media. So that could be through Facebook Messenger. That could be through asking a question in the comments of one of your posts. So, and go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the key here is there isn't one place. Like there, you need to really think about who the audience is because you want to communicate the way your customers want to communicate. And I think a lot of times business owners try to do everything and be everywhere and then they do nothing exceptionally well. So you really want to think about that audience and then apply your efforts and your time to the, the best way to make it seamless for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That is that is good stuff. And what we're going to do. So like we said, we're, we start off the we're going to start off the podcast with top topics of the week. And then we're going to have our focus discussion of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and dive into our focus of discussion for the week, which is data driven creative and what the heck that means. So stick with us. We'll be right back and we'll dive into data driven creative for our focus discussion of the week. All right, and we are back from our break, and we are going to be talking about our top focus of discussion for today, which is data-driven creative. And we can talk, like, what the heck does that even really mean, data-driven creative? Um, but actually, we'll, we'll put the link to this in the show notes as well, but we actually just wrote a blog about this specifically. Um, and the blog title itself is called Data Makes Marketing More Personal. And so we're going to expand on that a little bit um, and, and, and talk a little bit more about kind of the ins and outs and how that actually works and, and, and really what all of that means. So I'll kind of dive in first um, from when it comes to like, how does it one, how does it make it more personal? Um, but how do we use data to actually tweak um, the creative that we're doing? Right. And so in my opinion, especially now with all the noise that is going on out there, we have to always be testing things and always be doing things. But and and I think that the quote unquote air quotes you can't see creative um, is to, in today's advertising is really the X factor in what we do. Like the copy and the creative is really the X factor in how we get people to do what we want them to do. How do we get them to how we get them to take the action that we want them to take? And so we have more tools than we ever have had ever in the past before to measure those metrics. And so I know Molly's very passionate on, on the creative side. And so I'm interested to see like, Molly, what do you think at first? Yeah. So when I first came into the industry, I will never forget. My dad said to me, we don't create pretty ads. 
And I always thought that was really interesting because a lot of times when people talk about creative, they talk about, you know, the look of it and how, you know, if just the actual creative piece, but creative only matters and works if it's driving traffic. So data and creative go hand in hand. And the best creative is you start it understanding some of that data. And then after you run it, you analyze that. So I have definitely found in the industry right now today, everyone is talking about digital. Everyone is talking about metrics. Everyone is talking about technology and platforms. But what is getting left behind and missed is how important that message is and that call to action and the images you use and the colors you use. That all still matters. And you are when you look at the data and you analyze it, and you, as you said, as you, when you test things out, you're going to see how important the actual creative is. So to me, we don't create pretty ads. You know, that's always stuck in my head because something that's pretty that doesn't work is a waste. Absolutely. It, like that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, um, but it's not getting any action. Now, also, the other thing about creative is it's so subjective, right? Like you could love something that I hate or I could love something that you're like, man, that's no good. You know, and so creative is so subjective to the individual person on whether or not they like something the way that it looks. But actually good creative, really, really good creative will not resonate with you if you're not the target audience. So, for example, Absolutely. sometimes when I'm watching, you know, sports and when I say watching sports, when I'm sitting in the room while my husband is watching sports and I'm probably reading a book, um, an ad will come on or a TV spot and I, it will not resonate with me at all, but I can still appreciate how good it is at targeting the right audience, which is him. Um, and it won't resonate with me at all. So we can actually apply that in the housing industry. You don't have to resonate with every single person, really making sure that your campaigns are hyper-targeted to exactly who you're getting in front of, you don't need 100% of people to respond to it. You need just that target audience. Uh, absolutely. It, it's funny because my wife, she does this, she does a similar thing. She'll, we'll see a TV commercial and she'll say, that was the dumbest ad I've ever seen. Or she'll see, you know, a sign or an, inner, a, 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 an ad online. They're like, this is the worst commercial, the worst advertisement I've ever seen. I'm like, honey, that's a Viagra commercial. Like you're not the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or whatever. And so it's just, yeah you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you have to be the target audience to appreciate that creative. Because if it's, a, if it applies to everyone, then you've got the wrong ad running. Yeah. And that is our industry really is behind other industries when it comes to messaging for marketing, just because we do try to be everything to everyone. Yep. Because when you're selling homes, you don't want to not, you know, target everyone out there. Of course, there's equal housing. I'm going beyond that. Of course. You know, but um, when you get more specific, you just really, really make the creative go to a whole new level. And you can have multiple campaigns at one time with different audiences and really see how effective that is. A absolutely. And so for me, the the, the catalyst to this blog, to ca the catalyst of this conversation happened a couple of weeks ago as we were obviously we were planning out our podcast and how we wanted to roll out our very first episode. And so I came, I, I, I was served an ad on Facebook and it was through Gary Vaynerchuk. Most of you probably know who he is. Um, if you don't go check him out, very interesting guy. And so 
and oh by the way very explicit so <laughs> be beware don't listen to him with the kids around if you if you don't want the kids to hear that kind of stuff but so um i don't know maybe less than a year ago um he came out well more than a year ago he came out with his very first shoe line collaboration with k-swiss and so less than a year ago maybe six seven eight months ago um I actually bought that first line of shoes. I thought they were cool. I actually just thought they were cool looking. I really liked they were solid white, had a little bit of color. And I was like, I'm going to buy them. This is kind of a fun thing. And I bought them and I, I was like, I'll never wear them. And I put them on. I'm like, oh crap, these are comfortable. I'm going to wear these. Um, so fast forward to just a few weeks back. Um, he's come out with another shoe line collaboration with K-Swiss. And I'm scrolling down my Facebook feed and I get in, I see his ad. And it says, I'm, I'm reading it so I don't mess it up. It says, I'm holding your shoe size. I'm holding your size for you. And it's Gary holding two different shoes out in the air. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a bokeh effect. So he's there, but he's kind of blur, a little bit blurred in the background. And the shoes are in focus. And in the copy at the top, basically he says, hey, thanks for buying my last pair of shoes. Um, check out, I've got your shoe size, nine and a half shoes um, in stock. Click here and and thanks for buying these, right? So it was highly targeted because they knew that I'd purchased. They knew the shoe size that I had purchased um, and they made it really specific to me. And how much of a, you think about what they actually had to do here. It wasn't a lot, right? He shot one photo. They made one, they put one set of copy in the image. But then they just changed the create the copy in the ad. But they had to have that information. They had to have the data first right. to be able to do it. So the data driven and the data inspired creative here was we just changed the copy based on every shoe size that we sell. And then we retarget the people that have already purchased said item. And it's, so it's brilliant. Now it, here's the key question. Yeah. Did you buy the second pair of shoes? No. Oh, <laughs> honestly, because I just didn't like that okay. shoe. I didn't like the shoe. It wasn't my style. But you know, you one. felt special because you felt like Gary Vee knew your shoe size and was talking directly to you. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I met Gary Vee years ago at PCBC when he spoke. So we're, and I have a picture with him. And so we're like BFFs so we go back forever now. <laughs> uh, and as actual real quick, fun story. Um, I have his contact information in my phone because I met him and I actually set up a meeting with him and his staff later because I was actually going to dive in and, and explore using their firm for social media stuff. Oh, wow. So I literally have Gary V's contact. So, so you sent him a text message and told him you got I the I said, ad. listen, Gary, this is Matt. <laughs> uh, I didn't uh, but so the, the interesting thing there is I think this tees up a different, uh, a really interesting question, which is I think as a consumer, if done correctly, if using data-inspired creative, data-inspired copy, um, going after the right audience, um, people actually enjoy being marketed to. They do, but I, I actually think there's another thing that is really being talked about right now, which is this idea of data. People are afraid of their data being used, and there are generations that feel very different about data and how it's used. And that's why when you're targeting different generations, how you use that data is so important. Yeah. Because a boomer could be really, really freaked out by an ad like that. I mean, they would feel like, you know, there are spies in their house <laughs> and that it's, and it's true. Sure. And what's happening as we get into the younger generations and even Gen Z that's coming into the marketplace, they expect it. 
They don't want you, they don't want to have to do any work at all. They want you to tell them exactly what they want without them having to do anything. So data has really polarized our target audiences because you have to respect and really know who you're reaching out to in order to show up with that right message because it really can alienate or it can ultra connect. Absolutely. And I think that... My wife is not a boomer, obviously, but she definitely falls into that category. She thinks that that Siri and and, and everybody's listening. And she's like, I was just talking about this. And now today it's showing up in my, in my feed of like, you might like this. Right. Um, But a lot of times we forget what we were actually browsing online. We forget what we were searching for. Oh no, I'm totally with Amy. Everyone's listening. (laughs) And, but I'm okay with it if it makes my life better. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, they could listen to me as long as I'm getting the ads and things that I actually would want. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, the perspective is, is shifting. And I think being aware of the perspective of your audience is so important. So what happens is a builder um, or a salesperson may not like that concept. They may think like it's creepy, but you're not the audience. The audience is your buyer. And we tend as, as humans to forget that we have to put ourselves in our buyer's shoes. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I read a book, it was, I mean, it's several years, I mean, maybe five, six, seven years uh, that I read this book, but it's one of my top five favorite books called The Power of Habit. Have you ever read it? Charles Duhigg? I think I said his name right, last name right. But so what's really interesting, and if you haven't read that book, you should go check it out. Um, And so there's a, really, as we talk about data inspired creative, um, this is a key example in that book. So um, Target, um, the the store, the retail store Target, they were employing these super smart, like MIT grads that, uh, you know, the type of people that you don't let go talk to people. Like you sit them in a corner and they do their job. Um, But they were mining all this data from the Target red card. And so if you remember when that first came out, it was really the first like loyalty card um, where you could, you would scan it before you purchase, just like anything now. And what they were doing is they were tracking through, through pattern recognition, um, what you were buying and really what you were going to need in the future and how they were going to send you those direct mail coupons. If you remember how you used to get those, it would be a direct mail coupon envelope from Target and you would just kind of sift through maybe 15, 20 different coupons in there. And so what was really interesting there is they could actually, they started to being able to determine what people needed before they realized they needed it. Case in point, they could determine based on, you know, millions and millions of transactions when a woman was pregnant before she actually knew she was pregnant. It's the craziest story. And it was because they understood, they started to see patterns of, okay, when a woman's pregnant, she's more attracted to these certain scents. And then they start to see pattern recognition of what they're buying, maybe prenatal vitamins later and then diapers and, you know, registering for baby shower, stuff like all of these things. You can track all these things going all the way back. Well, what happened was, what had happened was that one time there was uh, a dad, and this is the example in the book, he comes into the local Target and he is steaming because Target had sent his 16-year-old daughter a coupon book. And in the coupon book in the mail, it had baby products like formula and diapers and things like that. And he was like, I am so offended that you would, you would send this to my daughter. She's 16 years old. And of course the, the local people had no idea. They were so apologetic and he storms out. And so the, the book goes on to say a few weeks later, the dad comes back to this target store to apologize to the people that he had been yelling at 
because he said that there obviously had been things happening that he wasn't aware of and his daughter had become pregnant. It's crazy. And so it's absolutely insane. And this was years ago. Years ago when this target red card thing first came out. Talk about mining. That's just mining like data from a store, not your online browsing history, right? And so what Target actually did, they changed what they were doing from that. And so they actually started putting coupons in there that were completely unrelated to what they knew they actually wanted to send you. So they would throw you off the scent of that they're actually tracking what I'm doing. And so, but that story is really interesting because it is, it's an example of data inspired creative. In this scenario, it was data inspired coupons, but if you know what people want and you're able to send it to them and make it more convenient, then they're going to actually enjoy getting whatever it is that you're sending them. Yeah. And I, it's such an unbelievable story. That one has always resonated with me as well, but I also think that there's a part of it that adds to that fear. And right now going on on social media is that, that app where you can age yourself. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. And half the people are afraid that, you know, Russian spies are going to be like tapped into their house now. And other people are like, this is ridiculous. And they're doing the aging app. So I'm really curious if our audience is doing it. Um, I I definitely, I want to tell everyone we do, we are going to have a Facebook page. We have one. Sorry. By the time this drops, <laughs> we have a Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely, we're going to put a link to the book that we just talked about on the Facebook page. Um, this story is so good, but there's so much other stuff in that book that is so interesting. It's an amazing top five read. Definitely. And then um, I would love for people to share their aging app picture if they've done it or say, you know, absolutely not. I'm not yeah, giving right. my data because I, I think it's really interesting. And I do think we're more split than we realize on just our personal perception of it. And I think from a marketing standpoint, this is gold. I mean, we used to, we used to have to do um, focus groups and sit down with people in a room and put creative in front of them. And now we have this opportunity by using numbers and, um, you know, AB testing and all this different stuff to do that in real time. And it's, it's really just fascinating how it's evolved. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things too, um, my computer's beeping, sorry about that. Um, one of the, one of the things too, that, um, in this, in our blog that we talked about when we talk about data driven creativity, um, is and another example of that. So there is the company Abriva, right? Like chapstick, lip care products, like cold sores, whatever. Um, They did a perfect example of this and they actually created 119 versions of the same ad. Okay, now that's excessive. But you think (laughs) it it is, but you think about all the different possible demographics that a company that size could have, right? And so they were able to go in and we we linked to the actual Google article about the the, the story that they did and, and how they did it. Um, but talking about data-driven creative and or data-inspired creativity. And so it really, think about us as a builder. A lot of times we go out there um, and we say, I'm going to make one ad and I'm going to put it out there. And typically it's a, it's a bottom of the funnel ad, right? Where all we're trying to do is like, the only thing we're interested in is getting them to click on our site and call us or fill out a form. But that doesn't necessarily match what the customer's journey is all the way through. And it's destined to be generic. It has to be. Right. Because we're making one ad. 
And so obviously as a home builder, we don't really need to create 119 versions of the same ad, but we could do scenarios like what Gary Vaynerchuk did and change out some create, change out some copy and maybe talk about um, and do some retargeting. Maybe, maybe they've been to your website, maybe they hit a specific floor plan page, you know, maybe they've seen a specific community and you could do some retargeting ads for different communities that you set those up and like, all right, if they've hit this page, I want to show them this ad regarding this community. And it's something written that seems personal to them, right? So instead of making one generic ad that's bottom of the funnel, maybe you make, if you have seven communities, maybe you make seven different ads and they're community specific. And maybe then you structure to where it matches the different stages of the buyer journey, the, the funnel where they come into consideration and search and then going all the way to bottom of a funnel, you know, from intent and, and interest all the way down to ready to purchase. And the data here actually goes even deeper than, than the ads. It goes into the creative. So for example, what resonates with someone, this isn't just like thinking logic and emotion. This actually, there is a science to what resonates with people. So when I think of the two of us and our perspectives, I actually see a brain and left brain, right brain. Yeah. And um, the same thing applies when you actually put content. So that image, so those seven different communities, you could have different images, different colors, different textures, different fonts that would resonate with that audience. And it's driven by data. It's not driven by pretty creative. And that's where I get back to what I was saying earlier. It's not about a pretty campaign for that community. It is about what is going to drive action. And we do get into conversations about color and which color resonates with people, which color builds trust more than other colors. And this is real. This isn't fluffy, you know, emotion marketing. This is actually driven by science and how the human brain processes information. And it, it really does go hand in hand. And it's fascinating. Absolutely. And I think some a lot of times it's easy, especially in today's time, to just not think that the creative is is that important because it's all about the science of the ad itself, right? And but because there's so much noise, and because everyone, if you know how to use it, everyone has the ability to go in and create these really targeted specific ads. Again, if you know how to use it, but the difference is going to be great. It's targeted to a specific uh, a specific genre or 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 buyer, um, but if it's not applicable to them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And when people see something, it does trigger something in your brain. So, you know, we talk about, when I talk about things like colors, like it does seem like a trivial topic, but it actually is a real thing. So for example, right now, think about, just take a guess of what color you would think generates the most trust. Mm -hmm. What is it? What do you think it is? Um, green. It's blue. Blue. And what happens is, so in our industry, we have all these, you know, we're trying to target women, for example. Well, the color that resonates with women more than anything else is actually blue because blue makes your brain feel secure. It's the how the color triggers your brain. So again, this is all science and data, but it's linked directly to emotion and how we process information. So, you know, one of the things that a lot of companies do, let's talk about a logo. Oh, they pick a color and they do a logo based on what they like. Right. No, there's actually a science to it. There's actually information that proves a logo is would be more effective than another logo. And what happens is they just say, oh, I like that one. 
there's a much deeper conversation happening there when you're really using data to drive your creative. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us today. We're done. I could talk We're all day about I know, this. I know. We got to stop because we could just go on and on and on. But so uh, this, uh, this is a great episode, Molly. Yeah. Good job. I do want to say one thing. What's that? We both have some really awesome friends and partners in the industry. And I just want to give them a shout out and say, thank you guys for listening and supporting us. We're really happy to join up and bring our perspectives. And Absolutely. we are lucky to have such a great supportive industry and we're glad you're here. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for us this week and be on the lookout. We're going to be bringing this out weekly and uh, really cool guests lined up and some things that are already scheduled. So uh, be on the lookout and uh, we will see and hear from you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.